I'm excited that you are here and I'm back. Um, I want to talk to you today about uh, courageous living. And, and so courageous living requires bold faith. I just feel like I need to explain some things and then we can move on. I can move on with my life. I can move on to whatever it is this next thing is. Um, I have really been feeling, I really have been struggling to create content. And for anybody who knows me, you know that I don't struggle to create content. I am and have been known as the content queen. I have content for days. I could actually, I don't even have to create content, truthfully. I could just go back through all the old stuff that I have and probably use AI to repurpose it, to uh, make the content better. I could do that. But there is still some disconnect between myself and... Um, who I feel like I've been called to serve or my audience or y'all, honestly, there's still this, this disconnect that I have. Um, I sat down last week or maybe it was earlier this week to record this podcast. Would you believe that I had seven attempts at recording the podcast and it just didn't stick? I started, I would get two minutes in and I was bored. I got 30 minutes in and this is how I feel. If I'm annoyed with it, if I'm bored, if I'm bored with what's coming out of my mouth, who else wants to hear that? Nobody. <laughs> so I deleted them and I just, I didn't record. And so I've been talking to God and I've been listening to God. I ain't really been listening. I've been hearing him, but I ain't been listening. How's that? I've been talking to God and I've been hearing him. I hear what he's saying, but I haven't been listening and I haven't taken it. I hadn't taken it to heart. That's why I'm so grateful for my community. That's why relationships are very important um, for those of us who are purpose driven, you know, faith filled, spirit led, Holy Spirit led, purpose driven women, um, men and women. You have got to have a great community around you because God will use those people. Now, God can use anybody, but it's nice to be surrounded by people who are also tapped into the spirit, uh, people who are going to call you on your crap. They're going to tell you that you're great, even when you are acting like you're not great. And they're going to tell you that you're not all that when you acting like you all of that. And so I'm so grateful for the community of women that I have in my life. And so I'm just talking to different women that I, you know, have the pleasure of calling friends over the past few weeks as I'm talking to God, hearing him, but not listening to him. And one of the things that I realized through these conversations with God and with my God squad is that I've kind of gotten away, not I've kind of, I have betrayed the woman that I wanted to serve. And when I say that, I know that sounds so deep, but the truth is I have. If 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 this were a real relationship, right? I'm talking about this, um, this woman I've been called to serve, right? This avatar, you can call it an avatar, you can call it an ideal client, you can call it the person that gets you excited to do the work that you've been called to do or the work that you set in your heart to do that you want to do. I have betrayed that woman, betrayal. And so if you're her, I want to apologize to you. I'm, I'm so sorry, truthfully, truly, truly sorry for betraying you. And I didn't just, I, it, it, I'm not going to say it just happened. You know, it didn't just happen. It happened over time where I made these small adjustments to serve the women that were around instead of going out to seek those that I had been sent to serve. Right. I, I started to get comfortable. I served the women that were around. I was in a community um, with this ability to serve women. I didn't have to go out and get them. They were there. And so I started serving the women that were around and they, they were great. And it was great to serve them. But I totally abandoned the woman that God sent me to deliver. The woman that God sent me to God. And that's the lady whose life is a mess, man. You feel like your life is a mess. The lady asked me the other day, you know, if I could think back to a time, to who I was when I first, to who I was before my greatest transformation. I was like, man, my life was a mess. <laughs> you know, I was like, my life was a mess. And she was trying to pinpoint, you know, when you say your life was a mess, you know, what area of your life specifically are you talking about? And I'm telling her, girl, everything. What? It's nothing that's out. You know, the marriage was a mess. 
um, how I felt about myself, my self-esteem, my self-confidence, my self-worth, feeling like my life didn't really have any meaning, not not just my life itself, right? I certainly got to a place where I wanted to portray betray my own life. But I mean, the work that I did, the stuff I was doing day to day, it just felt like it didn't really matter or it felt like it wasn't enough and not enough for other people. It wasn't enough for me. I didn't feel great about the work that I was doing. I was a classroom teacher. So while I enjoyed it, I still felt unfulfilled. I felt like this it? Like this can't like this is this can't be it right here. And I was going to church and so you're going to church every week and, um, you know, you're listening to these phenomenal pastors, preachers preach these great words. They preach in heaven down and you feel good. But when you go home, what you are experiencing at your house is not what you experienced at church or what they're telling you. The Lord said, I came that you should live life more abundantly, but there ain't no abundance in anything. There's no abundance of peace or joy or life or money in your house, in your home, in your family, in your whatever. Like, what is it? That's where I was. I was in a place where I felt like my entire life was a mess. And so when God brought me out of that, um, I realized when I realized I was fully out of it because I don't know what happened. Like one day I just felt like I love my life. <laughs> one day, nothing. I didn't have like all these great things. Right. I still was working as a classroom teacher. It's always something right when you start recording. But we're going to record right through that. Um, I'm sure y'all can hear me. This is real life. OK, these recordings. I'm a real life person. I don't live in a vacuum. And there are noises, so that's what it is. <laughs> as long as I talk, though, y'all probably can't even hear the noise I hear. But if you can, I apologize for the background noise. But here's the thing. You know, I got to a place where I loved my life, where I was, like, so excited. But my life hadn't changed that much. I was still married to the same man. I still had the same kids dealing with some of the same struggles we were dealing with before. I still had the same type of job. I was still teaching you know, and I was going to church on Sunday, so that part hadn't changed, but there was something on the inside of me that was different. I felt so good. It was like, bling, I don't know, like this great, bright day. And when I got to that side and I realized, because sometimes there's a transformation that you have, something you've been working towards, something you've been praying about, and you get to the other side and it takes you a moment to realize that you have transformed that the life that you were praying for, that the things that, that were bogging you down and were holding you down aren't doing that anymore. And you're like, oh, wait, I actually am not like that. I saw that one time on an interview. It was um, Oprah and Will Smith. They were talking about you know being rich and how they were so successful, but it took a minute. Like I have plenty of money in the bank, but it just took a minute for me to realize like, oh, I actually don't have to be worried about money. Like I'm so far removed from where I started. And so the same was true for me. They say it happens also with weight loss, but the same was true for me. I had come up out of this deep, dark place. I was in this beautiful place and the sun was shining and the birds was chirping and even the flowers were singing. Like I was in this place, but, um, you know, my life, <laughs> the circumstances of my life, honestly, hadn't changed. I was still married to the same guy, same kids, same job. Nothing was, nothing on the outside was different. Same money struggles, but I was a different person. And when I realized that, I was like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? How did I get to a place where not only do I not want to die, but I am excited for every breath I take. Every breath I take. I shouldn't sing. I know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but every breath I take was it was like it was something exciting and exhilarating. I was excited about and I still am about my life. And it was like, girl, how, how you got here? You know, because this is a great life that you have and it's not a perfect life. And I wasn't wealthy and my marriage wasn't perfect and my kids weren't like perfect little angels. I didn't, you know, get this windfall, nothing. How, how sway, how did we get here? And God just laid it on my heart 
I just, I wanted to tell everybody about it. I wanted to share with anybody who would listen that you can have the life that you've heard preached about on Sundays, that these Christians are always talking about, that you're reading about in the Bible, that that is an actual possibility. And I felt like if people knew that, especially women, I don't know why I had a heart for women, but I just did. I just felt like, especially Christian women, like, bruh. We go to church. We grew up going to church. You're going to church every Sunday, but your life is still miserable. Maybe people don't know how miserable it is. Maybe you have kind of settled into it. Are there these areas that you continue to ignore and you've kind of just accepted? Well, this is just what it's always going to be. I'm always going to struggle financially. I'm always going to feel this way about myself. My weight hadn't changed either. Okay. For the record, my weight hadn't changed either. And so I had this heart to share because I was always thinking about the version of myself that hated my life. I was so sad, y'all, like, and it was so heavy. Depression is heavy. You hear me? And hopelessness is heavy. And I was so sad and things were so heavy. And I just, I remembered what that felt like. And I thought, but I could have lived like this the whole time. <laughs> I just felt like there got to be other women who feel this way, who want to live in this freedom, who love the Lord and who have the word of God or whatever. But it's like, but this word isn't working, though. <laughs> Somehow, I mean, I'm just being honest. You know, people like, oh, the word this, the word that. I'm like, OK, but the word ain't working. Maybe that'll be, maybe that needs to be the title of this sermon when the word ain't working, right? But the truth is, um, I wasn't applying it. The truth is, the word I did not give as much weight to the word as I gave to the world. Um, my experiences had more impact on me than anything that a pastor said or that I were read in the word of God. I also didn't approach the, the word of God. I didn't approach the Bible the way that um, I started approaching the Bible as the Lord was like pulling me up out of my depression. Right. And so when I got to this other side and I was super excited, I was looking back like, OK, how did I get from there to here? to where I am, if I had to tell a woman who was in the exact same space that I'm in or that I was in, what are the things that I need to tell her? What are the things that she doesn't know, but if she did know, they would completely change her entire life. Like it would completely change her perspective, her outlook, like it would literally change everything. What are those steps? And so, you know, I journaled and I thought and I looked and I thought and I prayed. And that is how uh, the power principles of courageous living were born or developed. That is what it was. I took a look back. It's not something I sat down and just kind of came up with because I thought it would be a good idea. I looked back at my life and said, OK, what are the actual steps and things that I had to learn or unlearn to get to who I am today? And that first thing was my identity. I didn't know who I was. You think you know who you were. If somebody had asked me if I lacked confidence, I might have been you know, comfortable enough to say that I lacked confidence in a few areas, but I certainly wouldn't have been as honest. I'm not even sure if I knew, but the truth is I didn't know who I was. And I know I didn't know who I was because if I knew who I was, I wouldn't have been feeling the way I was feeling. And I wouldn't have been looking at my life the way that I was looking at my life. <laughs> People are like, the world is not rainbows and sprinkles. If your outlook is not rainbows and sprinkles, then you don't know who you are. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. If your outlook on life is not rainbows and sprinkles, then you don't know who you are. You are a child of the most high God. And what he says about you is true. And what he has for your future is better than you can ask, think, or imagine. And that for me is rainbows and sprinkles. I'm not a moron and I'm not naive. I know that um, storms will come. This for sure. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, honey. I heard new edition and I know that storms will come. Also, the Bible says um, 
in this world, you will have trouble. So I'm not an idiot, but my outlook, how I expect for it to turn out is rainbows and sprinkles because I know who I am. And in knowing who I am, I'm reminded of whose I am. So once I realized my identity, like that was the first thing that I had to do in order to get to the woman that I am. I had to recognize like who I am, my actual identity. But it didn't stop there because even once I realized who I was, once I really got to know myself and I got to know myself through God, right? Once I really got to know myself, then the next problem that I faced was, okay, now I know who I am, but now I'm also mad as heck at the people who have done me wrong. And there were a lot of people. That was a long list of people who mistreated me, people who did not remind me of who God said I was, people who did not do what they were supposed to do as it relates to protecting me and providing for me, people who spoke death over me. Like, I had a laundry list of people that I needed to forgive. People that I was pissed at, my real dad, my stepdad, some of the men in my family, right? And, and I don't mean like, I, there are certainly a lot of things that I did not experience, right? I didn't experience um, what some people go through, like um, molestation. And, like, I didn't experience that, but people didn't treat me like I was a child of the most high God. My, bio my biological dad was not in my life. He did not take care of me. And that was his responsibility. My stepdad also dropped the ball. That was his responsibility. And I'm not mad at them. I'm just telling y'all the truth. Okay? There were things that even my mom did. Like, I was raised by people who are not perfect. I, maybe your family was perfect. But, baby, I had people in my life that were not perfect. And when I realized who I was, child of the most high God and I, I like how God created me and who I was. There were things that were, that were not nurtured and that were not encouraged. They were squashed. And in order for me to get past that and really step into the peace, joy and love and abundance that God had for me, he, he walked me through this too, by the way, once I realized who I was, it was the Holy spirit that led me to, okay, now you have to forgive these people. Now you have to show these people grace. And it's not about whether or not they did it. It's not about whether or not they knew better or could have done better or any of that. It's about the fact that forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness sets you free. It's not about whether or not they deserve to be forgiven. Do you deserve to be free? Do you want to remain a slave to the things that have happened to you at the hands of people who are also broken, also lost, right? Also imperfect. Do you want to remain a slave to what has happened to you that you had no control over? Or do you want to walk in the freedom and the peace and the light that God says is yours? You choose. And forgiveness is the vehicle that gets us there. Forgiveness is the vehicle that leads to your freedom. So yes, maybe you know who you are in Christ and you're starting to act like it and live like it. But are you harboring resentment and bitterness? Because not only does forgive this, not only does unforgiveness keep you from, you know, the freedom and really starting the healing process. It also keeps you in a place of, like you live in that trauma, whether it was big trauma or small trauma, you live there. When you cannot, from your heart, forgive the people for the things they did knowingly, unknowingly, whatever, when you can't forgive them, it keeps you from moving on in the present. Because if the people closest to you couldn't be trusted, if the people closest to you dropped the ball and you have not been able to release that thing, it keeps you from being able to get into a relationship with other people to have these close-knit relationships. It keeps you on high alert. It doesn't allow you to even experience, come on, experience the love that people have for you. You might have some great people in your life some great friends, people who want to love and support you. But because you're holding on to unforgiveness, because you're still holding on to the pain, you don't want to let that go, right? You just want to hold on to that. You want to hold it. Because you want to hold on to that pain, it is keeping you from moving forward. Not to mention the fact that the Bible talks about if you don't, listen, the Bible says if you don't forgive those 
that did you wrong. He's not saying if you don't forgive those that deserve to be forgiven, if you don't forgive those that apologize, if you don't forgive those that came begging for forgiveness and are taking the steps to change. He said, if you don't forgive those that you got a problem with, he's not going to forgive you. Wait, what now? <laughs> so I'm not going to be forgiven of my shortcomings. And you have to remember, especially if you were like me, I was coming from a very broken place, very depressed. Do you think that I didn't damage, cause damage to my children, to my spouse, to people who are in relationships with me, to people I worked with? people out in the street that I didn't know. You think that I showed up healthy in any relationship? If you are unhealthy and unhealed, you show up that way no matter how safe and wonderful the environment is that you go into. No matter how well-meaning you are, broken people damage people. And so when I recognize that I was broken, it means that I damaged my children. God bless. It means that I also damaged my husband. I want God to forgive me for the things I did to them. I want God to forgive me for the things I did to myself. Okay? So let me forgive these folks so that I can be forgiven. The Bible also talks about when you get ready to come to me and ask me, ask for something in my name and I'm going to give it to you and all of that. But when you come to me and you know you got a problem, you need to forgive that person. That tells me that my prayers being answered on some level, it's tied to my unforgiveness. So now a person who did me wrong, knowingly or unknowingly, could be out there forgiving, living their dang on best life, okay? And now because I haven't forgiven them, my prayers are not getting through the ceiling. The Lord's not saying yes to mine. Baby, let me tell you something. I want the best life that God has for me. Right. And I think I forget I forget that part when I think about the women that I'm called to serve. I'm not for everybody. I'm not for the woman who wants to settle. I'm not for you. And that's cool. Somebody is. It's just not me. I'm not assigned to you. I'm my assignment is for the woman that wants every single thing God said she can have. I want every ounce of peace and joy and abundance and love. I want all of the things that God said I could have. All the good things he wrote my name on, I want it. And I want it right on time. I want it at the very millisecond he says it's due me. I do not want to delay. I don't want to cause a delay. I don't want to delay in traffic. And I certainly do not want to delay in what the Lord has for me. Absolutely not. So that means forgiving these folks, Lord, show me how to forgive. That was the next thing. So first thing was my identity, realizing who I was. And then the Lord took me through this, you know, journey of forgiveness. I think the most difficult, I think it was easy for me to forgive a lot of people. And the reason I'm um, that way is it's just a part of like how God has made me, honestly. So I realize it may not be easy for you to do, but it's required, man. Is required. Forgiveness is not your choice. Okay, believer. I'm talking to believers. It's required. So whatever you got to do to do it, do it. You got to fast, fast. You need to cry every day, cry every day. You need to forgive them every single day for 365 days because that's how long it's going to take you to truly forgive them. Well, then do it. Let the day be day one. Okay. But once I got from, you know, my identity, knowing who I was and I was forgiving people because I'm always looking at. Mm, am I going to say that? Yeah, I'm always looking more towards like the positive side, the positive possibilities. And that's because of my faith, certainly. Right. Because I really because I actually believe the Bible, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like. They were talking about in the Bible, they talk about all this stuff that the Lord did. And if he did it for them, he could do it for me. And like all this stuff. And I'm like, bruh, really? I can have that? And I want it, you know? And so it was really easy. It was easier for me to forgive a lot of people. Um, it was hard for me to forgive myself. Man, the enemy works with so much guilt. And so much shame and condemnation, 
he he don't forget nothing he want to tell you about everything you ever did and the stuff that don't nobody know about and the stuff that you thought about but you didn't actually do but you thought like he will bring up all kinds of old stuff and it's just hard to forgive yourself especially as a mother um especially if you are faced with present day consequences of things you did back then, right? So maybe in your marriage right now, your spouse is struggling to trust you present day because of something you did back then. And so that's just a constant reminder of the mistakes that you made. Or maybe, you know, your relationship with your sibling is strained and it's because of something that you did back then. And so it's like, it's hard to forgive yourself or maybe you're going through something with your kids and what they're dealing with right now, present day, is based on something that you did back then. So even though you want to forgive yourself, you can't forget what you did because you can see the results of it. You can see the outcome of it, right? The consequences of your actions. And so the enemy tried to guilt you, man. Um, it took me... A very long time to forgive God. I was mad with God too. I was pissed with him because I, I felt like it was some stuff he let get through that should have never got through. There were some things that he could have chose differently for me. I feel like the Lord made some choices, okay? When he created me, when he chose who my dad would be, he, he man, now nah, he could have chose somebody else. <laughs> he could have. You know, for real, truthfully, I could have been born. That did not have to be my daddy. You know, Stevie Wonder could have been my daddy. Shout out to my mama if y'all know. If y'all know us, then y'all know she loves Stevie Wonder. You know, the Lord could have chosen anybody. And so when I started to forgive the people that were in my life, I was also angry with God. This is also after my cousin had passed. I was certainly angry with God with that. You know, I saw the way that tore my family up. I saw the way it tore my aunt up. And I just felt like it's a lot of rotten people out here that's still alive. Oh, I'm going to keep on 100 with y'all. It's a lot of rotten people out here. Molesting their kids, beating their kids, stealing, robbing, doing all kinds of stuff, making 15 babies, whatever. Got all these baby It's a lot of dudes out here. I'm just being 100% with y'all. And I felt like so all the people that you wanted to stop breathing, you picked that one? Like, sir, you could have picked somebody else. I understand that that might shock y'all and it may seem like whatever, but if you're judging me, my guess is you might not have lost anybody that you love the way I love Toucan. Maybe you ain't love, and I lived my life for a long time not having a death that impacted me the way Toucan's death did. My granddad died and that was very sad, but he was old. You know, old people die. You know what I'm saying? And it did change my life. My granddad, Diane, did change my life, but it did not change my day-to-day -day schedule. You know, it meant that when I got, when I went home, it meant that when I went home to visit, I couldn't expect to see him or hear him tell me that he was proud of me, you know? He's a funny, funny old man. Y'all hear me? He's crazy, bro. If you know my granddad, Pop, you know he's, <laughs> he's crazy. Um, so it did change my life. Uh, I had one less person reminding me of my greatness when I went home, you know? One less person. And so, you know, that hurt and that changed my life. But when Tukan died, that changed my day to day. And Toucan wasn't old, he was young. And so I was so mad. I was sad about my granddad, Diane. But I know we can't live forever. I was angry with God about Toucan's passing. Um, I don't have any tissue. I didn't think I was going to be crying, y'all. Um, I'm not apologizing for crying, but I just um, I don't have any tissue. I'm ill-prepared for the tears that came. Sorry. I said sorry, but I don't mean it. Um... Yeah, I was I was pissed about Toucan. Like, so I was mad at God. And so I had to let that go. And whether, you know, sometimes 
sometimes you're forgiving somebody that didn't actually do anything wrong. I know that sounds weird. You can be hurt by somebody or hurt by a decision that somebody made and you can hold resentment against them. You can have an ought against them, even though the action that they took wasn't wrong. So God created us. He can call us home whenever he sees fit. He didn't do anything wrong. He did not sin against me by calling Toucan home. Toucan didn't belong to me. He belongs to God. God created him. He decides, right? It's at his say so. But even though God didn't sin against me, he didn't do anything against me. I had a grievance against him. I had resentment and bitterness towards God. And I had to ask for forgiveness. And I also had to forgive him. And when I say forgive God, I mean releasing. Releasing God from this charge that I had against him. Right? There's this charge that I had against him. I had to release it. And that took a long time. So these things didn't happen overnight and some of them are overlapping. But once I realized, once I knew who I was, right, I had my identity and I was in the process of forgiving people, then God led me to putting my faith to work. See, I was a woman of faith. I was going to church like a lot of you are, but I wasn't putting my faith in action. The word of God talks about, you know, faith the size of a mustard seed that would cause a mountain to move. But I didn't even have enough faith to speak to the mountain. I didn't even have enough faith to go to where the mountain was <laughs> and tell the mountain to leave. You know, I was depressed and I had been for a long time and, you know, kind of felt like I would always be that way. Right. There were other things that I was dealing with, you know, in my marriage, with our finances, with the career that I had and I thought, well, these struggles and these obstacles, these mountains that we have, I just need to learn how to accept them. I need to learn how to deal with them, how to work with them, how to work with this anxiety. I need, I just, I'm just trying to manage my anxiety. You know, that's where I was. I'm just trying to manage my depression. I'm just trying to manage my pain. I was just trying to manage. I wasn't trying to move the mountain. And the Lord showed me like, baby girl, you're going to have to put your faith in action. You're going to have to speak to the mountain. Sometimes you're going to have to kick the mountain down. Maybe it's one pebble at a time or whatever, but you're going to be required to put your faith in action, which required me to read the Bible. It's what led me to studying the Bible for application. I met this lady one time and, you know, she was saying something about, I don't know what she was saying about me. She was giving me some type of compliment is what she was doing, really. She was complimenting me on something. But I was so confused by <laughs> I was so confused by the compliment. You know, I didn't know why she was so impressed because she knew the Bible so well. And she knew, like, she she had scriptures memorized. And she had, she's married. And her and her husband go to church. And her kids go to church. Like, all this stuff. So I didn't get you know, I didn't, just didn't understand where she was coming from. And she explained this thing to me. She said, yes, I know the Bible and I've been studying it. She like, she grew up in church. I grew up going to church. I did not grow up in church. I grew up in the streets. No, just kidding. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the streets, but I didn't grow up in church. You know, she grew up in church. And so she know all the church stuff and the scriptures and she got all these things memorized and she could tell you where something was. She was a kind person also. She was very sweet. Um, she did some missions work and stuff like that. So she, she seemed very solid to me. But she was like she lacked confidence because when she studied the Bible, she wasn't studying it for that reason. She was studying it because it's what good church girls do. And she was a good church girl. So she memorized it. It was like, this is an expectation. That's how I felt about going to church. I went to church because that's what you do. You go to church on Sunday. What kind of heathen are you? You're too old to not be going to church. That's what you, you would act like that in your teens and your twenties or something. But at a certain point, you grow up, you settle down and you go to church on Sunday. It wasn't necessarily about changing my life. It's just a part of what I felt like growing up was. And so I did that. So I got where she was coming from. And I 
I thought to myself, and I've remembered this ever since we had that conversation years ago, she's right. I didn't study the Bible for that. I, I, I didn't study the Bible for memorizing. I started studying the word of God because God was telling me I needed to put my faith in action. And I didn't know. Let me let me let me make it more plain because I'm I'm telling I'm explaining it to you from where I am now. But I want you to understand it like I understood it at the time. OK. It wasn't that at the time I didn't realize the Lord was telling me to put my faith in action. That's in retrospect. What I understood at the time is that there were decisions that I needed to make every day. I didn't know how to make them um, in a way that would change the trajectory of my life. Because what I believed is I am in this place in my life because of the decisions that I have made. There are people who have gone through worse than I've gone through and they are better off than me. OK, and I don't mean this from a comparison place or anything like that. Just observational understanding that people had it worse than I did and they did better than I did. And the word of God said that I can have better, but I don't. So I thought there must be a disconnect. If I believe God and I trust God, then how is it that I am where I am? And how can I ensure that I get the life that I want to get and I live this life that the Bible keeps saying these folks keep saying I can have? How can I do that? So when I started studying the Bible, I expected for God to give me insight and direction. I was looking for the changes that I needed to make in the way I thought and the way that I moved. I was very strategic in how I studied the Bible. I was studying the Bible specifically so that it could transform my life, not so I could appear more Christian, not so I could appear more holy or more spiritual, but because I was a Christian and the Bible said I could have this life of peace and love and all this stuff. And he said anything that I ask in his name that I could get it. And it's a bunch of stuff that I wanted that I didn't have. Okay, tons of things that I wanted that I didn't have. And so I started studying the Bible because I felt like this, this Bible is okay. So, okay. I'm supposed to study my Bible. Now there's gotta be something in here that's going to show me what I'm doing wrong. And I don't mean bad. I mean, it's going to have to, sh it's going to show me where I need to make different choices so I can make choices with wisdom. And then my outcome can be a better life. I was going to Elevation Church looking at Pastor Stephen like, we're not that, first of all, we're not even a year apart. We might be, we might be a few months apart. I don't know what year is. I think you might've been born in February, February, 1980. And I was born in December, 1980. So he's not that much older than me. But when I looked at his life and like just the way that he preached, he just seemed like, it seemed, you know what I thought? I thought, hmm, seemed like he make a lot of good decisions. <laughs> But it seems like this man makes a lot of good decisions. <laughs> and I am where I am in life because I, I didn't make as many good decisions. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how I can make some changes. I didn't want to be a pastor, which is funny. I know I'm a pastor now, but I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to have a ministry. That's not, that wasn't my goal. That's, that wasn't it. I just felt like he seemed like he loved his life. And he also seemed so smart. But Okay, I'm smart too. So I need to make better decisions. That's how I studied the Bible. And that is when I learned I have to put my faith in action. If I believe that God is my provider, then when he tells me, when I have this desire in my heart, when the spirit is prompting me to do something, then I'm going to do it. Um, I believe what the Bible says. And so when I prayed about my marriage and the Lord showed me what it looks like to be a godly wife, then I started behaving like a godly wife, even though my husband did not behave like a godly husband. And guess what? My marriage continued to improve over time. Even in our separation, we're doing better than we did in that season of our marriage. Even in our, I'm going to say that again for the people in the bank. Even in our separation, right now, we are currently separated, living in two different residences. Even in our separation, our marriage is doing better than it did way back then when I was like, when my life was a mess. It continued to improve over time. So I'm like, oh, look, my marriage getting better and better every day. I, ah, 
this do work if I do what the word says. So when the Lord started, when I started studying the Bible and then I would look at my finances, if something was going on in my finances, I would be like, okay, okay, but I ain't hardly got no money. So what the Bible say about money? I was looking for, I was expecting instruction. And when you get instruction, when you get a revelation from the word of God is so that you can apply it. That's what I mean by putting my faith in action. If you believe that, you know, God is for you, what would you do differently? If you believe that your best days are ahead of you, what would you stop worrying about? Where would you start showing up? If you believe that God is going to bless the work of your hands, what would you put your hands to work on? Okay. If you believe that the Lord is going to restore your marriage, how would you start speaking about your husband? What would you do in this season while you're waiting on the Lord to restore? You know, if you really believed that, that's what I'm saying. And that is putting your faith in action. Um, God also revealed to me the importance and the impact that relationships have right um on this journey of courageous living it, it, he showed me that you know my relationship with my words mattered so what came out of my mouth i could either use my words to build or i could use my words to break and i was notorious for using my words to break um my own spirit the spirit of my children the spirit of my husband to speak death over my finances to speak death over my future like that's the language that we learn and I just want you to know that complaint includes that. I don't necessarily mean cursing with foul language. We think that a curse is when we say, damn, okay, that may not be a polite language, but a curse is when you say things will never change. Things ain't never going to change. Things going to always be like this. I'm always going to be struggling. It's the best you can expect to get. Black people always going to be behind, right? When you start saying the, those are curses. Those curses have more power than these four-letter words y'all so concerned about all the time. The Lord showed me that, right? That my relationship with words had an impact. That my relationship with other people had an impact on the quality of the life that I was living. On my mindset, on my outlook, my relationship, the types of relationships that I had. The things that I allowed to continue in my life because we friends or because you're my in-law, because you're my homegirl or because, uh-uh, boundaries, okay? Excuse me, boundaries. You don't have to have boundaries. The Lord showed me that relationships are either going to drag me down to the bottom of the ocean or they're going to keep me afloat during my roughest time. And I thank God for the women I said that earlier, right? I thank God for the woman that I have in my life that when I was in too dark a place to even pray for myself, those women kept me afloat. And that's still true now. There are times where I get frustrated or whatever. And I'm like, man, these are the women that are praying for me. I have women that are keeping me afloat, that are speaking life to me, that are encouraging me, even in a wilderness season. Either somebody is speaking life to you about your situation or they're speaking death to you. And if they're speaking death to you, those relationships will drag you down to the bottom. You already struggling. You know, you was trying to walk on water. Now you're already struggling. What I don't need is somebody saying, what if your husband never changes? Oh, I don't need that rock tied around my neck. Oh, what if your kids never realize? Boom. I don't need that rock around my neck. What if your business never takes off? Then what? What if it don't? I don't need it. Those types of people, they I can't have relationships with them. That's your language? Uh-uh. Because there's power in relationships. Those things will drag you down. And the one that I never even thought to consider was my relationship with myself. How I treat myself. How I dress myself. How I speak to myself. How I care for myself, what I expect for me, what I expect from me. If my husband got sick, I would encourage him to stay home and I would be frustrated if he didn't. And if he decided to stay home, I would 
spoil him. I would take care of him. What do you want? Do this, just rest. I didn't want him to do anything. I didn't care about any chores that he had that might've been piling up. I didn't care about how him staying home from work would impact our income. I didn't care about none of that. My man was sick. I wanted my man to stay home. Stay home, relax. He didn't often listen, <laughs> but that is what I wanted. If my children were sick, I wanted them to stay home. I wanted them to relax. I wanted them to go to sleep. Just relax. Don't get up. Lay down. Was it making them clean up their room or wash the dishes? You are sick. Go lay down. You've been throwing up. Stay in your room. Do you need anything? Do you want me to get you something? Right? That's what I did. But when it came to me, if I got sick, try you better get up and go to work. That's what I said to myself. And God showed me that my relationship with myself had to change, you know, and it's th through that that I understood the power of relationship. By the time I got through these things, I also realized the power of growth, that growth is not optional. Even once you recognize who you are and what you've experienced and you're forgiving people and you're putting your faith in action and you got these relationships, you still don't know enough right now to take possession of what God has for you. And so you have to get comfortable with growth as a lifestyle that I, that there's always going to be an area where you could grow, where you can improve. It's not about feeling like you're never good enough. It's just realizing you're not a finished work. I'm good enough. I'm good enough right now for where I am. Okay. I don't need to learn anything else for my position right now in my journey. But I need to learn things because I'm not going to stay here. God is going to take me higher. He's going to elevate me. He's going to take me further and further and further, right? Farther and farther and farther away from him. He's going to take me way out. Okay, so, but there's something I need to know to be over there. I don't need to learn anything to be where I am right now. You don't need to learn anything to be on the step that you're on right now. You are there. You have possessed it. The reason you are learning right now is for the next step. Your next step requires growth. Your next step requires that you know something, that you have more self-awareness, that you are better skilled, that you are better prepared and more, more experienced. Your next level, God's going to be elevating you. Your next level requires that you grow. And so that means that you have to be committed to that. And so when I think about courageous living, and when I say courageous living, what I mean is, I mean, I realize that it takes courage to go after the life that you want. It doesn't know when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you go right for the swing that you want. You go right for the piece of candy that you want. You go right for the cupcake that you want. Whatever, right? When you're a kid, you just go right for that thing. But as we get older and life has, you know, given us a few scars and we've had a few experiences, it then requires courage to go after the life that you want. And courageous living is the pursuit of that life, but it's fueled by bold faith. It's like, you know, when our powers are combined, like Captain Planet, y'all remember that show? When these powers are combined, when the power of, when the power principles of courageous living are combined with bold faith, you get freedom from anxiety. You get freedom from depression. You heal completely from those things. You get an improved relationship. You get greater clarity, greater purpose. There is more peace there. There's more joy and abundance. Um, there are all these things that are there when you combine power principles of courageous living with bold faith. That's what it is. It's the principles. And even present day, I live these principles out because courage is more than my name. It is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not just something you do and then you arrive and then you're done. Because whatever new level you get to is a new level that you don't have any previous experience in. So all those insecurities, all those things come up. New people. Somebody new to hurt you. Somebody new to cause you some trouble, child, to disappoint you, right? 
People are going through things. People are changing. People you've been with for a long time, they may go through something that causes them to cause you some grief. I have to have forgiveness as a part of my lifestyle. I have to constantly be reminded of who I am because the enemy never shuts up. That's why courage is a lifestyle because the en enemy is persistent as heck. He ain't never shutting up. He always running his dang mouth. Doesn't matter what level you get to, he's still going to have something to dang say. And when we're not vigilant and sober-minded and we don't live this out as a lifestyle, that constant nonsense, he says, starts to take root in our heart. And then we can end up right back where we were before, uh, even though we've gotten to this great level. It's why you see people who have accomplished such great things in their life and you think this is, <laughs> excuse me, a person who should be happy. This is a person who has everything all together and then you read something and it's like, this person killed himself. This person is cheating on their wife. And I'm telling you, cheating on your wife, cheating on your spouse, because I know women cheat too, but cheating on your spouse, that's a sign of unhappiness. And I don't mean unhappy with the marriage. I mean, you unhappy with yourself. You could have divorced him or her. You did not have to do that in this marriage. You could have been honest because child, stop, right? There's a brokenness that leads to that. And this cutty the enemy is always talking. No one is immune and you're not immune to it at any level. Not until we get to heaven. Honey. That's why courage is a lifestyle. But that lifestyle is fueled with bold faith. And when I say bold faith, I mean the boldness to take God at his word and to do what he says for you to do in your day-to-day -day life. Right. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. I thought I would start off, um, start off with that. I know I keep saying start off. I didn't come back a hundred times, but um, the Lord has been speaking and I've been hearing him. I haven't been listening. And so I'm listening now. And as the Holy Spirit has continued to reveal to me over these last few weeks or maybe even months that I have betrayed and abandoned the very woman that I was and who God has sent me to deliver, I want to again offer you my sincerest apology and tell you, bomb back though. The devil thought he had us, but we back though. And so uh, come back again next week. You know, on Mondays, we drop the, um, the sermon and it's because courageous living requires bold faith. So you need to be in the word of God. You need to hear the word of God being taught. That needs to be a part of your lifestyle. So listening to the sermon on Monday, even if you have a church, that's cool. Listen to the sermon on Monday and then um, coming on Wednesdays to hear whatever message God has for you of encouragement, um, tips, strategies, other women sharing their stories uh, to help empower and equip you so that you can start living out the life that you hear preached about in church or on Saturday or on Sunday or listening to the podcast on Monday. If you love this episode, if it resonated with you, then go ahead and subscribe to this YouTube channel um, and be sure to share this episode with a friend share it with somebody don't just have it for yourself you know and if you like this episode then do me a favor like this episode on youtube um give us a five star rating on spotify or um ipod is it ipod is that what it's called podcast i think they call it podcast on apple apple podcast yep give us five star rating on podcast um apple podcast wherever you hear this screenshot at me Courage, Molina. I'd love to hear how this episode has inspired you or encouraged you. All right. I love y'all. See y'all next week.